Welcome to Max Storm Business Coaching for the Health and Fitness Professional Podcast, where you will hear and learn tips, tricks, and marketing secrets that will allow you to build your business from ordinary to extraordinary. Visit us at maxstormcoaching.com. Now, here's your host. Hello, and welcome back to Max Storm Coaching. This is Ashley Mazurik. Glad you guys are spending some time listening to me today. I've got a little venting session that I'm doing. Um, you know, I'm, I, I do my daily workout. I go to, the, to a regular open gym. Uh, well, I guess say commercial gym. And, you know, it's frustrating to me because I feel like the information I talk about is th- this, this information is old news. Like it's dinosaur stuff. And because I see it in the gym, I'm like, maybe it's not dinosaur. Maybe not everybody knows about this. So I'm like bringing it up today. Um, so I'm in the gym and do my thing. And I see some guy working out that's in there regularly. And he's using a weight belt. And I'm just, I'm perplexed because at, at this point in the game, I'm still don't understand why anybody would use a weight belt. Is it just that they are they don't, they don't know there there's a lack of information out there for these people to not understand why a weight belt is something that you would def, definitely not use and that a weight belt is something that's actually going to cause you injury down the road. Now granted, I I'm sure you guys have all seen it. A lot of these people are young. They're young guys, so you know it's they're not going to feel the ramifications of wearing a weight belt today or tomorrow, but definitively in five years, ten years down the road, they are. And so, I a curiosity like why are people using weight belts? I just wonder. And I was I wanted to take the time and ask. But of course I didn't, you know, I'm in there to get my workout and be done and get out of there. So I want to talk about that today. And for those of you, this information may be like, yeah, I already know all this. That's cool. Go on to the next one or wait till next week. But for those of you who go, yeah, I'm weight belt. I'm kind of into it. Did it? Don't really understand the reasons why not to use it. Let's move forward and talk about it. So, first of all, if I understand in the past, because, you know, 20, let's see, 20, maybe 28 years ago when I first started working out, I actually did use a weight belt. Um, It was, you know, I worked out with um, some guys and that's, that was the thing. And some of them were bodybuilders and that's what you did. Um, And I didn't know any better. Uh, uh, Did I have issues? Uh, Later on, yeah. Do I do I think it was from a weight belt? Probably not. Um, but I'm glad I didn't use it for very long. So my understanding of why people use a weight belt is that they want to do heavy squats or deadlifts, and they can't. Uh, hurts their back, or they're not as strong. Is what's commonly heard. I'm not as strong without a weight belt. Okay. So let's talk about what a weight belt does. First of all, um, it is restrictive within the abdominal region. It pulls the abdominal in really tight. 
Okay. So is that helping someone become stronger within their core? Well, not really, because what what's metaphorically our weight belt, our transverse abdominus. That is the weight belt. That is from a female perspective and aesthetic drivers. It is the girdle. It is a muscle that runs from the xiphoid process superiorly, inferiorly to the pubic symphysis, transversely wraps around the torso into the thoracolumbar fascia attaching to the pelvis. And so there's a lot of reasons that the transverse abdominus needs to be strong. I could talk a little bit longer than I would want to about that. But most importantly, it's, it's there to cause decompression within the L4 or 5 junction um, because commonly the average herniated disc is around 32 years of age. Okay. And it's typically L5, which is where 70% of the forces um, go um, in our spine right at that L4, L5, S1 junction. So it's the most commonly herniated area. And so with a weight belt, you have immobilization. Yeah, a weight belt is going to not allow you to move too much from your lower lumbar area because it's very tight and it's, it's a big belt. Um, but does it cause strength? Uh, in other words, strength is, has a precursor, which is stability. In other words, you're only as strong as you are stable. So if your stabilizers aren't strong, you're not going to be able to create strength with weak stabilizers. So the question is, if your stabilizers, which is your transverse abdominus, aren't able to work effectively, then how can you create strength from a weight belt? I, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it, it's weird. So let's go back. So stabilization, if our transverse abdominus is working on a reflexive loop, and that reflexive loop is playing in with the diaphragm, the, the, this is our reflexive loop. This is our, let me go back, intrinsic system. This is, i.e., our stabilizer within our core, which allows our upper and lower extremities to work through to create force generation slash stabilization sequence to do anything in life. It's functional. Let's just say that. Functional. Okay. So if we have our reflexive loop being the diaphragm, the transverse abdominus, the pelvic floor, and the deep multivitus within the spine, those, all those areas, all those muscles need to be strong. Okay, so if somebody does have low back pain, if somebody is weak within their stabilizers, we have to then as coaches or as just information for people um, that have low back pain to understand this, you have to isolate each of those, test them to see if they're working appropriately or optimally or functionally to then move into an integrated approach so that you can get better. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, and this is super easy, but if diaphragm is the number one and is the impetus to this, then diaphragm has to be functional. So what does that mean? We have to be breathing appropriately so that it has its motility and its ability to work in sequence with the transverse pelvic floor and multifidus. 
So we look at the motility of the diaphragm. Does it work correctly and appropriately? Is the transverse being inhibited at all? Well, what can inhibit transverse? Well, if you go a little bit deeper, there's a visceral somatic reflex that happens. So we have to go and look at the organs and glands that can possibly inhibit that isolatively to be integratively strong stability-wise to then be stronger in strength, okay? So then we go into the pelvic floor. Now, a lot of us don't have the ability to test pelvic floor and um, that it may be a referral source out. Um, So that's a sidebar. We won't get into that. So pelvic floor. And then the multifidus. So we teach how to address the multifidus, test it. If the multifidus is weak slash inhibited, it is going to create compensation. One of the easiest compensatory mechanisms is the facilitation of hamstrings and adductors. Okay. And so you can, you can see that in a body when it's happening because you're going to see excess pelvic flexion. Um, you're going to see over facilitated hamstrings and adductors. And, and so those are the isolative areas that you need to look for to see if stability first is being hindered. Okay. So that we can move on and work into strength. So someone might say, well, I'm not strong. And so I need a weight belt to, to make my deadlift or squat stronger. I would say, well, let's look at your stabilizers to see if that is what's impeding your strength. And then let's create isolation to work them appropriately. And then we work into integration so that they integratively work so that you can go into the strength protocols and the strength process. So if we have a weight belt on, one of the biggest things that creates fear with inside of me is because the weight belt, you you see them, as soon as they're done with their set, they unhinge it and loosen it up. But when they go into their set, they string it really tight and they got this small waist to make it tight. Now, does that mean that that they're going to create more strength with an immobile torso? And secondly, the number one aspect of looking for intrinsic was the diaphragm and breath. What does that mean when you hinge a belt so tight that you can't breathe properly? So what's properly? Diaphragmatic breathing. What's diaphragmatic breathing? When you inhale, the belly expands. And so can you expand the belly and an inhalation with a weight belt that's strung really, really tight? No. So what does that mean? That sets that person up for faulty breathing mechanism. What that sets them up with the lack of use of appropriately breathing, which then takes the diaphragm and it loses its motility to create strength and work with the transverse pelvic floor and multifidus to have a strong stabilization system. So why would somebody do that? I, my only thing is, is they don't know this information. So, but, you know, let's take that further. So they've now created a breath pattern that then can probably turn into an inverted or an upper respiratory breath because they're training their body with reps and intensity, which are neural drivers for lack of motor control 
and changes it to a faulty engram because now their breath doesn't allow for the stabilization system to work in sequence with the rest of the body to create strength. Okay. So if the, you create now a faulty motor control within the body, now the sequence of transverse with internal and external obliques and rectus abdominis, they don't work in sequence. And now you've got a quiet or a, an inhibited intrinsic system because the links in the chain or the reflexive loop are now weak or in some aren't working as well because now the breath is faulty. So now the diaphragm isn't working. So it's not sequencing with the transverse and it's, it's lack of referral into the pelvic floor multifidus aren't working appropriately. And so now the whole stabilization sequence system is weakened and now they're not strong. And now they're, now they're setting themselves up for either dependence on a weight belt or, um, a lack of strength throughout their body, which ultimately causes injury. So whether they get, no, depending on how long they do this, their injury could come within a year or two um, because what would cause an injury? Well, if the question is, is they're doing weight training in the gym to do what? To hopefully be strong in your environment. And your environment is all of these functional activities, squat, lunge, bend, press, push, twist. But if you train your body in the gym to not use your stabilization system and you, you're using whip, but wow, you're doing 300 pounds in a squat, it sets the mind up to think that you're strong. So then you go in your daily environment and go, oh, you need help moving furniture in your house. Oh, well, I work out. I can squat 300 pounds. And so then you go to lift couches and dressers and all that, and you hurt yourself. And so you hurt yourself because now your body is compensating using not stabilization, but prime movers or um, what's outside of your stabilization. You got your internal obliques, rectus, and in external obliques. And now they are the forces that create the strength without stabilization, which leads you to a naked spine, which means the spine is not protected. So then now with the movement of lifting this couch, lifting this dresser, without protection of the spine can cause sheer forces, compression, and torsion, which ultimately can lead to disc bulge, uh, much further, you go into the herniation. Hopefully, you don't go into an annulus tear, which is mm, is a horrible inner, um, injury that you don't want to have because that's a type of energy in, injury that ultimately you can get the outer third of your annulus. This is I'm talking about discs. The annulus, the outer third can repair itself. But if you go much deeper within that nucleus of the disc, you don't have blood supply. So you don't have repair there. And in, and just if you haven't worked with people who have annulus tears, that is a dull, nagging, isolative um pain that is, it's, it's annoying. It's like having a bee buzz around in your ear, or if you've ever had tinnitus, that is a very annoying, um, it's not painful. It's just annoying. And that's sort of what an annulus tear is like. And so I wouldn't wish that on anybody. So 
The question, why would anyone wear a weight belt if it sets you up for so many dysfunctions and compensations down the road? And I mean, ideally, isn't our job as as individuals, we go to the gym to get strong so that when we are in our everyday world and environment, we're able with strength to do the things that we want to do. So if if I'm doing laundry, it's not it's not a pain in my neck to, to lift um, laundry baskets full of clothes or wet clothes or move furniture if I want or um, mow the lawn and rake it and edge it. All those things that take a tremendous amount of stability slash strength to do. But so ultimately, if we're in the gym, we do these things in the gym so that we can be healthy and strong and do all our other daily activities for a very long time. So we don't have to depend on other people to do them for us um, so that we're we're healthy and strong and vital and capable. So if someone asks me, hey, do you want to go out and, you know, play tennis this weekend. Well, I haven't played in a year and a half, but I, you know, I'm fit enough and strong enough where I feel like I could go out tomorrow and play an hour or two of tennis and not be in bed for two days. That is, that's why I work out. That's why I do the things to do so that I can have fun and not worry about the implications of having fun and what the consequences will be later which also leads to me to the question is I, oh, in my gym, they're constantly buying new pieces of equipment and, oh, yay, look at this new piece of equipment. And I always think to myself, why are we cluttering up the gym with equipment and mach- slash machines? Machines that essentially regress us, regress us so much so that it's, it's not even, it doesn't even prepare us to in a gait pattern because gait is more functional than sitting in a leg extension machine um, doing 12 repetitions. My goodness, it's, it, it's mind-blowing. And there are trainers that I know of and I do like, but they're helping people by putting them on machines. And I don't understand why putting on the machine they would – understanding the body and say that they're functional practitioners think that putting someone on a machine is actually making them better because as soon as they get up and walk out the door, they're doing an activity that's way harder than getting on a machine and doing anything else for that matter. Because single leg stance and the gait pattern is 85% single leg, which requires anything single leg requires a tremendous amount of stability to main, maintain posture. So kind of frustrating. Uh, I mean, we're, I, as much as I feel like I sit in a bubble and I think we're all getting smarter and better about exercise, uh, at the same time, I tend to witness things that are so regressive and so dinosaur that I wonder sometimes, are we getting better? Are we getting smarter? Are are we understanding truly what the body represents and how to make it um, healthier, more vital, with strength, more functional? And some days I feel like we are and some days I, I don't. And so hopefully... Today, some of y'all, again, you might have, you might already know this stuff, 
But if you didn't and you learned a little bit, share it in obviously a very nice way with people that aren't kind of up to this level of learning. And, you know, we want to, our goal is we get paid a lot of money to help people. And I feel like, why are we getting paid to regress people? That shouldn't be the case in society today. Um, I can't imagine taking somebody's money and putting them on machines to make them less healthier than when they walked in the front door um, by doing isolative work. When they're driving, getting out, walking to my front door is more functional and requires more stability and strength than what I'm doing for them if, if, if I was doing machine-related work. That's why uh, I was working with a client the other day and we were talking about training and getting stronger and, and I said point blank, I use Swiss balls for everything. Unless you can give me a good reason why you wouldn't use a Swiss ball, which I haven't found anybody not to do that yet, then yeah, we're going to use a Swiss ball for virtually everything. And at the same time, it's like when you've been working out for 30 years, Lord, sometimes it can get a little boring. So the Swiss ball allows you to be so creative and come up with so many different exercises that uh, ultimately work the same planes or the same movements that your ultimate goal slash agenda is without getting bored in the gym, um, which, you know, for some of you who have been working out for that long, you need that stimulation. You need that excitement. You need to have fun routines that keep you coming back in the gym versus, um, skipping workouts and skipping, skipping your time because the, the goal of the going into the gym, it's, it's your me time. It's for me, it's getting my body balanced. It's about me, um, refacilitating my breath work. It's ab- about creating good posture for when I leave there. Um, and it's about me being stable and strong so that I can be active with my kids. I can play with them. I can um, be active on the tennis court. If I want to go ride my bike for 30 miles, I'm, I'm not hurting it with a tremendous amount of inflammation um, slash soreness. So that's, that's all I'm going to talk about today. Um, thanks for taking the time to listen. Uh, it's I love your feedback. I've got a couple of great questions that I'll pursue um, in the future that we'll uh, talk about. And I appreciate those questions because it um, gives me great ideas of how I can help you more. Because uh, that's at the end of the day, it's my mission is I'm doing this podcast to spread the great word, um, spread how to be better. Um, at the end of the day, MaxStorm.coaching, coaching. Um, this information is for us to be better, for us to be better coaches, to coach our clients to be better so that we get lots of great referrals so that we have a business that we can um, get referrals, make money, and stay in this business for as long as we like. In other words, uh, because I owned a wellness center and had a lot of trainers, ultimately those that did not continue their um, continuing education, those that did not continue to learn. Ultimately, they didn't get referrals and didn't get clients and ultimately selling insurance on the side and getting into real estate to make money because they couldn't survive doing personal training or um, coaching. 
Hey, have a great rest of your day. Uh, enjoyed it. Hope you learned something. And always, I welcome the feedback. MaxCormCoaching.com. You can always leave feedback there. And uh, always, you can uh, go on my email at Ashley at BalancePod.com. Shoot me an email. Whatever you'd like to share, I welcome it. And you guys have a great rest of your day. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Max Storm Business Coaching Podcast. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play so you don't miss a single episode. This podcast is brought to you by MaxStormCoaching.com. Head over to our website or social media pages and download free documents, forms, business tips, and tricks.